Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News with interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing with funny off-brand upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them when it's all about ridiculous news everywhere. We talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News. Not your average news show, we cover stuff you didn't realize was news from the wild and funny to the deep and hidden to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley, an Atlanta-based filmmaker and comedian, and when I was a little kid, I came down one Christmas morning and there was a giant stuffed bear and I named it Bear. And it's today still today one of my favorite stuffed animals that's awesome i love that uh hey everyone i'm mark kendall i'm an atlanta-based comedian and while i don't remember sleeping with a stuffed animal i do remember really enjoying the care bears tv show and i also had a care bear growing up or a care bear animal because i guess there were other animals as well uh but that oh, just besides the bears, i think so i think so oh nice right nice. There's maybe a line. I don't know. But but what I had was a care. <laughs> what I remember having a Care Bear growing up as well. And y'all, uh, today is a deep dive episode. And if you haven't guessed already, it is about stuffed animals. So we're going to be talking about some fun news headlines related to stuffed animals in some way. We're going to cover some interesting facts as well as the history about, you know, this wonderful toy. Uh, we might even explore some of the psychological reasons for why we carry on uh, with stuffed animals into adulthood. Uh, so yeah, so let's kick things off with some uh, news nibbles, Bill. Yeah, this story is a Pantucket woman, 86, creates a stuffed animal zoo on her front lawn. This is a little bit of an older story, but really touching. It was during the pandemic. An 86-year-old Pawtucket woman has taken a walk on the wild side by creating a zoo right in her front yard. She said, quote, I went through World War II, which was tough. But it's nothing like what's happening now. Everything is so sad. 
people are walking up and down the street looking very sad. And I thought, well, what can I do? I'm handicapped. I can't go out there and do anything. But people love animals. So she took her stimulus money, Mark, and she built a zoo in her front yard. She said she used every penny of it on the animals, and she was happy she did. Um, Some are stuffed. Some are statues. There are lions laying on her lawn, monkeys hanging around. Um, She would have spent the money on herself, but to her, her zoo is priceless because she said, quote, it makes me happy to see people happy again, even if it's only for a couple minutes. That's great. Yeah, and things like that, brightening up, you know, the look of your neighborhood, I'm sure that there's studies that are done, but that has like a huge impact, you know, whether it's like, you know, a painting, uh, you know, a zoo, wh- whatever it is, that 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 makes a big impact on all ages, you know. I love it. You know, going up in some of these fun neighborhoods in Atlanta that are, are living in some of these neighborhoods that I've had the chance to, you know, like in Kirkwood, there's a house where they have all these crazy mirrors and decorations and it's just always fun. I I like that. I kind of not a big fan of HOAs where everyone's yard has to look the same and all those things. I I'm always supportive when someone can do something different in their front yard. It it makes me happy and not want to call uh, code enforcement. Yeah. 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 Uh well this next story uh from several years ago but still definitely heartwarming story. So Madison uh little girl of three years old, they were shopping with their mom at Publix and, you know, by mistake, they left behind their, you know, stuffed toy. And the manager of the store, uh, Mike Gayhart, saw the post from the mom, you know, saying, hey, my little girl lost her toy. Would it be possible? You know, she looked for help online. The manager happened to see Mm. it. And so they used security cameras. All right, so they were able to track little girl Madison's bunny from the store to the parking lot to the cart to a trash can and a dumpster, and then it went to it's a, like Mission Impossible. I know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it went to a trash compactor before being dumped into a garbage truck and driven to a landfill. My God! But they didn't give up. So the manager, as well as three other employees, went to the landfill and started digging, and they found the stuffed toy and I yeah yeah and so it it was great obviously to be able to have them return you know this bunny it was a step bunny uh to the little kid and that was really heartwarming and so uh, apparently the bunny still has like a smell had a smell upon it being returned because you know it was in a landfill uh but the little girl madison didn't care she was just very happy to be reunited with this toy. And I almost kind of wonder, I mean, I don't know, this is just me, pure conjecture, but I almost kind of wonder if the manager and or the employees that went to go dig, they're just like, you know what, I lost my toy or I know how important mm. it was to me. Because it's just like, that's a huge commitment, a huge, very kind act of service. Right. Mm-hmm. Jumping into a landfill, digging, you know, it doesn't smell great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. great. Maybe it's better than stocking food <laughs> at the store. It was to get outside. <laughs> I just want to be public. There's too much green in here. Um, but yeah, what a wonderful, sweet thing for them. And what a like, just, you know, I hope this guy was recruited by the FBI or the GBR, Georgia yeah. Bureau of Investigation, <laughs> because, you know, a lot of times in life investigations aren't like they are on CSI or whatever, you know, but this seems like it was the way that he tracked that <laughs> is super impressive. And, um, you know, maybe he's going to be a manager of a, of a squad that we'll see on, uh, 
primetime television yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the future and not just the public That's a squad. fun sitcom show, though. Or not necessarily a sitcom, but just like a fun yeah. television show. I don't care the genre, but it's just someone that, yo, you're really great at tracking down people's lost items. Have you ever thought about tracking down lost souls? You know, or something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ghost of Publix. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. And and we're pitching it. So if, if <laughs> yeah, for all those records yeah. out there, uh, hit us up. Um, this uh, next story, as opposed to be uplifting, is a little bit more creepy. It's a nightmarish hybrid taxidermy uh, that could land a artist in jail. Mm. Uh, like a modern day Frankenstein, Enrique Gomez de Molina creates hauntedly stunning hybrid sculptures made from the stuffed parts of dead animals. So these are real animals that he's like combining together to create these kind of horrific, nightmaric, uh, pan's labyrinth type creatures at times. It's these beloved mythical creatures that could land this artist in jail for up to five years and up to 250K, that's $250,000 in fines. Uh, He takes these once living animals merges them together to create strange beings one example uh, features the head of two swans on the body of a goat and another shows the head of a squirrel meshed with a crab and i just oof that (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, well the artist claims that he aimed to raise awareness with his work to the danger faced by you know a number of species these surreal pieces kind of representing to him the dangers of genetic engineering and human intervention, you know, in, in science in that process. You know, I don't think we've gotten to double swan head goats or uh, squirrel headed crabs yet. Um, I don't know that that's on anybody's radar, but I, I, I you know, he's, he's pulling the slippery slope uh, argument. And his website where he showcases his work says that the impossibility of my creatures brings me both joy and sadness at the same time. And that makes me kind of think, wait, who's the person wanting to create the uh, <laughs> I I know. I'm I'm curious. I'd be curious to hear about what his clientele is like. Cause I mean, the mm-hmm. this person is clearly a very skilled taxidermist, like looking at the pictures, right. but it is scary. It seems like it'd be a very specific place that you'd want a hybrid squirrel crab, you know, like it so I'm curious. I'm just curious to know what, you know, what what that audience is. Right, right, and and you know, like there's a, a mix of a rooster and a goat as well, and they're all very well done. Yeah. To your point, Mark, like they look. It's not it doesn't look like someone just like duct tape these things together. Right. There's clearly a lot of thought into it, and they kind of morph together in a way that makes it seamless, um, which is really interesting, and you know, in a way, kind of kind of cool looking, um, definitely. You know, maybe he's got a job in uh, in film and TV production, you know, mm-hmm. creating things. But apparently, I guess some of the issues with this was that the artist, he did plead guilty to illegally importing parts from endangered species to make some of these unique species of art. You know, it's kind of a real, um, you know, twist ending there mm-hmm. where the guy who's trying to... to celebrate these animals is also might be responsible for them being killed and sold on the black market. You know, that's where the demand comes from. Yeah. I'm curious how that came about. Like, is he illegally importing 
these dead animal parts. But yeah, but to your point, it's just like, wouldn't that then increase the demand for them? You know, so, like, <laughs> so I don't, I don't right. know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the outside here, but but it is kind of odd that he would, you know, I, it's a curious story. Yeah, it's, you know, looking at these different kind of crazy contraptions, I mean, most of them are kind of creepy, but then, you know, some of them are, I don't want to say cute, but. Uh, <laughs> well, there's like an, there's an artistry to it. I think maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right. And, you know, going back even to back in, you know, old, like Barnum and Bailey, old school, that old school circuses where, you know, they would have a tent full of crazy creatures. And that's what it was. They were taxidermied things, very similar to what this gentleman is doing, where they would okay. combine a couple creatures and dump it in from out and high, and then it would be super creepy. Um, I do remember, I don't know if I think a lot of these circuses that did things like that have changed their <laughs> policies, you know, um, since then. But it stuff is very interesting. Uh, I, I, you know, if you want to check out his work, uh, it's Enrique Gomez de Molina and uh, the article is from uh, the Daily Mail online. And um, yeah, Mark, uh, if, if you could combine two animals to make a super animal mm-hmm. that, that, that if, I would say for good, hopefully for mm-hmm. good, what do you think? I'd say like an elephant and a whale. And that's just me just kind of going off the top. As a kid, I loved <laughs> elephants and I feel like whales yeah. are elephants of the sea. So, and I also think mm. they're both, I mean, I can't speak for all whales, but there's certain whales that are really kind there's some animals that, or they're elephants rather that are really kind so maybe an elephant whale you know so the, so would it be so not below the sea it'd be above the sea i think it'd be a around? hybrid so it's just like i imagine like i guess it'd just be like an elongated elephant with a large tail that if it wanted to it could just go underwater and i guess i imagine it like uh you know making elephant sounds but underwater you know so that's what i would imagine <laughs> amphibious yeah yeah that's pretty amazing yeah. Yeah, what about yourself? I like that. Uh, you know, I, I it's funny that you have a, a amphibious cuz I feel like uh, like my favorite creatures growing up were dolphins and dogs. So, you know, if you could have a a, a, a dolphin that could transition, yeah. you know, with uh, with four legs yeah. and you know, you're playing with them in the water and they're <laughs> and then they're helping you track down folks yeah. on, above ground. Right. Maybe maybe we should be the ones in jail. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. With amazing and crazy topics for picking to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. So we're going to continue our deep dive into stuffed toys. And so we'll talk a little bit about some of the history behind these really celebrated objects. So cultures around the world have created replicas of animals since the beginning of recorded history by painting, carving, and even chiseling animal figures and heads. In fact, while the modern stuffed toy dates back to the late 1800s, the first true stuffed toys were created in Roman times uh, with the creation of rag dolls. Uh, These dolls were made of fabric scraps and filled with Uh, more of the same straw by poor children who couldn't afford expensive wooden carvings. And some of these dolls have been dated as late as 300 BC. And so this is from uh, some of the research that our amazing researcher Casey did. And so this is from an article called The History of Stuffed Toys from LicensedToPlay.com. Yeah, it's so interesting that they've been around to their point. Yeah, we've always loved animals and drawing animals. And, you know, there's this super famous story, uh, um, about in 1902 when Theodore Teddy Roosevelt went on a hunting trip and spared a bear cub that had been caught from the expedition from being shot. He spared it from being shot. And the Washington Post immortalized the story in a cartoon, which was then made even more famous when a shop owner known as Morris Mitchum, who had already duplicated this uh, stuffed toys in his shop, saw the bear. He made a plush version and named it the Teddy Bear. Of course, after Theodore Teddy Roosevelt, shortly after, in the same year, this, the company began producing teddy bears, and an icon was born. Um, it was so funny. Yeah, I, as a kid, I didn't realize that it was you know, Teddy Roosevelt till later when I heard that story. Likewise, I, I didn't either. And so hearing that was like, oh, okay, what an interesting connection. Another fact mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting, Bill, was stuffed toys started out small and were often a toy for either the very privileged or the poor who could make them themselves with rags and fabric scraps. 
Why is it always got to be class in all these toys? Isn't that interesting? Uh, (laughs) However, during the early 1900s, mass production allowed teddy bears to make their way into nearly every home, becoming a childhood staple alongside a variety of other stuffed toys created by companies like Gund and Mattel. Yeah, when I think about even depictions of older, earlier times, you know, you typically have the bedroom and there's some stuffed animals in there, at least as a teddy bear um, is represented. And, you know, the the stuffed toys that we kind of know, you know, I was born in the early 80s, um, hit the market around that time. And companies added fictional characters from movies and cartoons, you know, branding. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny it took them that long, but like, you know, brands like Mattel got Winnie the Pooh and you got Sesame Street, um, while uh, American Greetings did My Pet Monster. Remember that? And Strawberry Shortcake. And like you said, Mark, there's, there's the Care Bears. Mm-hmm. And all those were, you know, so interesting growing up. It's funny, you know, now I think about those specific types. And I don't think as a kid I was like, I need that specific type. I, I did have stuffed animals, but not necessarily that specific type. Like my my ones that were important to me, as I mentioned at the, the opening, I'll never forget my my bear. I named Bear. I'm so original. I don't know. I also happened to have Mark uh, growing up. Uh, uh, I was really into, there was a store called Natural Wonders in the mall. I don't know if you remember that I store. I don't think I do. Mm-mm. It doesn't exist okay. anymore, but it felt like you were walking into a rainforest. Yeah. They had like, you know, didgeridoos and the rain sticks. And, it, you know, there's like sounds of rain when you walked in. It was, it was for a kid, yeah. it was paradise for me. And there was a wolf stuffed toy and it was actually a puppet you could put your hand in and move the wolf's mouth and for some reason i really wanted it and we would go to the mall and i told my parents and it's like i think it ended up being like a birthday or christmas present Uh and you know not wanting to be uncreative and trying to you know improve on myself i named it wolfie (laughs) and uh so like would always hug it and love it was so excited about that toy wolf and then the bear was actually a huge stuffed bear. So it was, you know, bigger than I was as a kid. And nowadays I would say it was, you know, the size of like a large, um, maybe maybe two labs put together <laughs> that we're talking about taxidermy earlier. You shouldn't <laughs> stick two labs together, but that was about the size of this giant stuffed bear. And as I continued to love him and hug him and drag him all over the place, he lost his stuffing. So he got very deformed. <laughs> it was like kind of half droopy and all of those things. But for you, Mark, were, did you have any stuffed animals growing up that were toys? That the, were the main toys? one that I remember growing up was the uh, Care Bear that I got. And I got that you know, ever since I was born. So I think it was important to me, not so much because I played with it, but more so like, oh, this was given to me and, you know, I got to take care of it because this is mine and, and I've had it for a long time. But I don't remember playing with them very much. Uh, however, one thing I do remember, Bill, and I'm curious if you remember this as well, is that starting in the late 90s, there was the Beanie Boom craze. Mm-hmm. So Ty Warner was the creator of this very popular plush toy. and this is from the New York Post. Uh, part of the reason for the incredible success of the Beanie Babies is that Warner, Ty Warner, would retire specific animals at whim, creating scarcity in the market mm-hmm. and inspiring collectors to pay up to $5,000 for a plush toy that originally maybe was sold for five bucks. And so then by early 1996, 
the scarcity strategy was working, you know, as parents yeah. began paying up to 10 or $20 for retired Beanie Babies that originally went for five bucks. And so then by the end of 1996, Ty's sales were like at $280 million, apparently. And yeah, they'd risen tenfold yeah. because of this scarcity strategy. And I don't know about you, Mark, but I had friends who loved their Beanie Babies and the parents, you know, were did actually think of it as like an investment. You know, they I remember I had a friend who had kind of like a a, a roof ledge around his room and he just it was all beanie babies by you know the time they had collected them all and and they thought of it as an investment and they were going to buy them at you know people were selling them in parking lots and and things like that. And it's kind of sad. Um you know, even as a kid, I thought I thought they were a little pricey, uh, and I never was that into them. And sure enough, the first signs of decline came in January 1999, when after Ty announced a series of retirements, the prices then stayed stable. So before, you know, it caused it to shoot up. All of a sudden, it's not happening anymore. Um, and so by early 2000, newly retired Beanie Babies that were once going for, you know, $10, $20, some people would pay, you know, $5,000 for some of these things. They were selling three for 10 bucks uh, for these newly retired ones. And then by later that year, the toys were available in dollar stores nationwide. Um, and let me tell you something. I bet you some people who invested a lot of money in Beanie Babies did not like going into the dollar store. Mm -hmm. And seeing that little tie tag, um, you know, I you know what I just remembered that I have a Beanie Baby. Actually. Oh, do you? I, I, oh yeah. I have I have one. Yeah, because I was really into ducks as a kid. I had the started the duck club in sixth grade. Did you really I made cards for my friends? What was yeah. the tell me about the duck club? What was the, the duck club? The duck club was just I for some reason I liked mallard ducks. I don't know why. <laughs> Specific, like, specifically mallard were, mallard ducks. Specifically wow. mallards. And I made these cards and we were part of the duck club and I gave them to a couple of friends and we'd greet each other by saying quack, quack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're in the duck club. And so one of my friends at the time knew that I loved ducks and he yeah. did give me a beanie baby of a mallard duck. Mm -hmm. uh, and that beanie baby's name is Jake. And, you know, I'm looking around here, but, I, you know, I, I think I might still have it in my house yeah. somewhere. Uh, and it did mean a lot to me. And yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I don't think it meant a lot to me because I thought the value would go up. I think it meant a lot to me because I liked ducks and my friend gave me a good Absolutely. gift. B Bill, I guess I just got, first of all, that's an awesome story. And then I guess my, <laughs> my follow-up question is like, do you remember what led to the fascination of ducks and more specifically mallard ducks? Because I mean, f for me, not knowing a ton about ducks, that's pretty specific. And so as an, as a, as a newbie, you know, what, what led to that? Yeah. You know, I, I remember going to lakes and ponds <laughs> growing up and we would, you're not supposed to do this anymore, so don't do this, but we would feed the, feed the ducks. And I always just thought they were really pretty and interesting. Yeah. They always seemed so calm above the water. Um, I thought it was cool, you know, birds in general and them in their flight. Uh, but you know, I, if there was one, I don't know if there was a specific moment that they jumped out. I just remember for some reason, latching on to those animals, this magical, the magical mallard, a very, uh, normal duck. But to me, they were the bomb. 
We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Don't get it confused. You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. Great. And so we're back continuing our talk about stuffed animals. And, you know, there was a study done and this is an article from Metro News, uh, saying that one in three British adults uh, still sleep with a soft toy. And I thought that this was a really cool survey. You know, So as many as 34% of adults um, still sleep with a soft toy every night, while 15% admit that they can't sleep without it. So uh, 17% confess they still cuddle a teddy when they're upset. And apparently one in 10 in this study or 9% say they'd rather share a bed with their teddy than their own partner. And so this study mm. was carried out by Hotpoint to celebrate the launch of their active care washing machine. Uh, and so they spoke to 2,000 people and found that almost half or 44% of uh, the nation, right? so I guess this would be, you know, the British nation, British. Um, have <laughs> held on to their teddies and dolls, whether at their house or their parents' home. And uh, the article goes on to say, with such reliance on childhood toys, it's no surprise that when they do go missing, the effects can be severe. Uh, so think, yeah. thinking back to that public story where, you know, right. the manager was really looking for that toy. Uh, I'm, I'm just purely curious. Like, I wonder if it kind of came from that realization of how important these things can be to people. Yeah. 
So again, more interesting statistics on this study is 24% of people who had misplaced a teddy or doll said they felt devastated by the loss of their beloved toy. Yeah, as a kid, I'm trying to remember if I lost anything that devastated me. That's a good question. I I think the thing that comes back to mind for me, I wasn't devastated, but I mean, I still remember it. So, I mean, I was sad, but in... um, sixth grade i was 12 i had a michael jordan jersey and it was like a pinstripe it was like the black and red they had a in the 95 96 season their away jersey or one of their away jerseys was a black jersey that was pinstriped red so like pinstripes of red with the black jersey and i just thought it was so cool and i had a nice michael jordan like away jersey and i just left it out once i was playing and like i left it on a picnic table or something and then it was it was lost and i couldn't find it and you know probably someone just um grabbed it because it was nice you you know and um, yeah uh, i was just like man i was just like because i didn't i don't think i lost a ton of stuff as a kid really and um um yeah yeah, i remember that being upset and so it wasn't a stuffed toy but i mean it's something that you would wear and um yeah yeah i remember it had a lot of meaning and Mm -hmm. value you know yeah I feel like, you know, if I had lost Bear or my Wolfie or things like that as a kid, I probably would have been pretty upset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think to me, I, w- I would like to say that nowadays I don't really have as much attachment to physical things. You know, um, I've, I've had been on filming and shoots where things get lost or broken. And it's kind of, I don't think it affects me as much as it would have uh, because that's, just part of life, right? Things change. But what I realize, Mark, as I'm saying this to Mm -hmm. you, is that when I don't know where my phone is, Mm. you know, sometimes even for a couple minutes, I get, I'm like, wait, oh my God, am I going to miss the most important message? And so in that case, I feel very much detached to this piece of information. The reasons are different, not necessarily more healthy, uh, but, you know, that, that same feeling of Mm -hmm. oh my god where is it where is it where is it i guess Mm -hmm. that's you know how this little girl felt when she lost her bunny at the Publix. you know it's like can you imagine if instead of her bunny if it was your cell phone you might be out with a shovel Mm -hmm. at a a, you know landfill yeah the phone is a great comparison to make like i'm about to travel briefly for the first time in a while and it's just like if i I mean, hopefully I don't. But it's like if I were to lose my phone on this trip, sure. that would be upsetting. I wouldn't just be because I mean I'd be able to figure something out. But right. it's just like I'd just be very upset that it's just like I feel off. You know, yeah. I'm not proud to say that, but but it's just like I feel so off without my phone and the idea that I would miss a message or a text or something. I'm just like even thinking about it. I'm just like. Stressing me out. Yeah, sorry to sorry to put you in that space, but I, I, you know, (laughs) I think I think that that is so interesting, and and it's interesting because that's something we talked about on the show, and I think it's something we continue to challenge ourselves and our listeners on. Hey, you know, if if you feel that way about your phone, you know, that's addiction. We're addicted. Got to do things to help uh, help us get a joy from other places beyond our phones and, and having that constant connection. Um, you know, and this next article talks about speaking of, you know, anxiety and grief and all these things that can come is, is that the snuggle is real. This is actually from time magazine. And they said, whether 
folks are dealing with anxiety, stress, grief, isolation, memory loss. Countless people found solace in stuffed animals, weighted blankets, and other soft comfort objects. Um, and I would say, yeah, I have a weighted blanket, Mark, and I really enjoy my weighted blanket. It, it does, it's like having a little hug when you're going to bed. And I also tend to shift around a lot when I sleep. Uh, I'll wake up and the covers will be, I don't know what kind of vicious nightmares I'm having, but, um, you know, that helps reduce that. And there's something about, even if I'm sitting at a friend's house, you know, on a, on a, if, if I'm watching a movie and some folks are piled on a couch, I'll find myself sometimes like hugging a pillow or something like that. Um, especially if it's a scary movie, uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, there's now even a fluffy robotic seal um, for people with dementia or a weighted teddy bear, which this makes so much sense, speaking of weighted blankets, for grieving adults. And there's a cushion that can mimic breathing to help people calm down. I can only assume, you know, we talk in our mental health minute about the importance of breathing and breath work. And if you have a cushion that's expanding and, and releasing at a pace that's mm. healthy for you to be breathing that's an easy way to learn how to control your breath a little better that's great that's great there's a quote from dr david spiegel in this article who's the associate chair of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at stanford university and they were talking about how it makes sense that you know people find comfort in these types of objects and they said we know children love stuffed animals they're what we used to call a transitional object between just being by yourself and being connected with another human, he says. Uh, objects like these likely play a similar role for adults. So they go on to say, it's not surprising that humans can, you know, stimulate thoughts and feelings related to interpersonal contact with an inanimate stuffed object. Right. There's, I have a dog named Susan, little Chihuahua Terrier, who's very sweet. And when they're training dogs, we went to a training and they actually rolled out a stuffed dog and the dogs react to the stuffed dog like it's a real dog which is very interesting to see because you're like can't they tell don't they have a sharper sense of smell than us or whatever but they definitely reacted to it like it was real dog <laughs> it's on wheels and they're just kind of wheeling this dog but you know so i think it it, it goes across mammal platforms and <laughs> mammal the mammal platforms of dogs <laughs> versus humans but can really you know, it's so nice to know that it can help us have feelings of interpersonal contact even when, when that's not real. Um, and that clearly that's important for people, whether it's a kid trying to get used to their mom and dad being out of the room and that separation anxiety, or someone in an old folks home or with dementia who might not know, you know, if it was someone in the room with them, even if they were there, you know, just 30 seconds ago. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll wrap things up with this. Uh last story that I thought was really interesting. So, you know, speaking of using stuffed animals to, you know, help you get through, there's a Japanese uh, cafe that lets you dine solo, but instead of simply dining by yourself, you sit with a large stuffed animal to keep you company. So this is the Mormon Cafe, so M-O-O-R-M-I-N Cafe. And the franchise is based on a series of Finnish picture books about a family of hippopotamus-like creatures, and the cafe has food, drinks, and decor inspired by the characters. 
And so it's a way for you to kind of like sit by yourself, but not completely by yourself. And <laughs> I thought that that was interesting, just kind of given what we had just kind of discussed in terms of people still being able to get something out of being around these objects. Yeah, this article goes on to say, Mark, I love this, that there are two ways you can live your life, being sad and eating by yourself or being open-minded and eating with a snork maiden. It's your decision. So that brings us to one of our favorite segments always, which to leave you, our wonderful listeners with, which is a spring of inspiring inspirations. Yeah, and so we were talking some about, you know, stuffed animals, but by extension, loneliness a little bit, you know? And so I thought that this quote from Mandy Hale was uh, good. It says, a season of loneliness and isolation is when the caterpillar gets its wings. Remember that next time you feel alone. Yeah. You, you know, you're just, a, you're turning into a beautiful butterfly, y'all. Yeah. And to all our beautiful butterflies listening, whether you're a caterpillar, whether you're midway through changing, as we all go through changes in our life, one of the best changes or decisions that you've made was to tune in to Ridiculous News because it made us feel wonderful. We hope that you feel good and we greatly appreciate you genuinely. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, thank you so much. And you can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com and on Facebook and IG, follow Ridiculous News and you can check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy. Bye, y'all. See you. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.